0: I am absolutely free of medication. I'm not taking any medicine. And uh, back then in Serbia, when I was asked, okay, this is like an MS story, so you should choose one of the medication, this, 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 or this, uh, I said no without a, without blinking. And uh, it was a very difficult time. I had to um, go against people around me, go against uh, m- medical recommendation, uh, even even a bit against um, how I was um, taught that things should be, because uh, as you just heard before, I had a problem, I go to doctor. But as, start, as soon as I started reading about and it, it was exactly the same night I realized that I have MS, it was okay, open the books, um, see what it is all about. And there were two things. I realized that MS is medication with side effects and deterioration. and those are the options. And it didn't sit with me. It didn't resonate with me. I couldn't make peace with this. So when they said, I choose medication, I was like, this line of side effects is definitely now longer than my current symptoms.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. And that is what thriving means to me. But what thriving means to each person is different. And that's what we explore on this show. My core values are growth and humor. So my goal is to learn a bit and enjoy ourselves while we're building community. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? When you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or any other autoimmune disease, were you hesitant to share it because of fear that someone might judge you? The fear of shame, the fear that people would think that you're not capable of doing things you know very well that you are capable of doing. Eve is my guest today. She is stepping out for the first time here on our show. I've never met anyone quite like her. I urge you to take a seat and grab a pen and paper because you are about to hear the juiciest tips to improve your health and vitality. Let's chat it up with Eve. Welcome Eve, I'm so glad you're joining me today. Thank you for being here.
0: Thanks, Edie, the pleasure is all mine. I'm very happy that we connected.
1: Me too. Um, you know, we found each other on social media, which is, um, as I've told you, foreign to me. Um, but lately, you know, building this community of thrivers, um, it's so wonderful. All the fantastic people I've met and I, you are right at the top of my list. So I would like to know, as, as much as our listeners would, could you tell us um, a bit about your diagnosis story and how this all started for you with your multiple sclerosis?
0: Yeah, I am uh, absolutely uh, happy to share this with you because I see the benefits of uh, others maybe relating to my story. Uh, So let me go back. It's such a long time. Um, That was like more than 10 years ago. I was still studying uh, my uh, master's, very long studies, very thorough, six years architecture studies. And that was a very difficult period of my life physically and mentally because I haven't been sleeping properly. I was uh, eating uh, properly, (laughs) let's say, junk food, I would say. Uh, I was living on pizza and uh, energy drinks and things like that and studying 24-7. This studying also involved a lot of screen time, a lot of computer time, drawing. And I've been feeling some symptoms, uh, which back then I didn't... uh, analyze too much. Uh, It was more like, hey, this is all happening because I'm too tired or because I'm studying too much. Something like um, uh, constant fatigue, unable to rest, unable to fall asleep, Mm -hmm. tingling here and there, numbness in my hands, um, feet. Then I would have blurry eyes, um, unable to concentrate. Uh, Going through exams was harder and harder. And I just didn't put everything together. It was just, okay, just let me graduate. (laughs) And one year before my graduation, uh, something very sad happened. I had a very big family tragedy. One of my parents died and uh, that was uh, probably one, um, the biggest stressor I had in my life. And uh, like many other uh, fellow MSers, I recognize that moment as the moment when my MS actually kicked off. I also heard before people say, this is when it all started. I'm sure that it's not where it started. It started probably many years before. As I said, there were uh, signs that was developing before, but that was definitely the moment when it became chronic, I would say, when um, when it got into that monster mode. It came on surface, literally. And um, what was uh, very prominent at that moment was the pain in my eye. And pain was really um, getting intensified with how would touch my eye or if uh, I would move my eyes and uh, seeing more and more uh, white uh, uh, patches in front, unable to uh, focus my eyesight. And I went to an ophthalmologist hoping for some very good eye drops and maybe a change of diabetes, diop- uh, <laughs> something like that. Like new eyeglasses, I was happy about that. <laughs> but uh, of course I didn't get any uh, anything similar anything fancy no new frames I got the paper (laughs) which said uh, you have an inflammation of your optical nerve uh, basically optic neuritis and there is this thing that um, uh, of course I knew what it is because I was luckily um, growing up in environment uh, surrounded by doctors and everybody around me basically helped me throughout uh, my life to understand how human body functions. And uh, I actually wanted to be a doctor in the first hand.
1: Wow, so let me say this. I um, presented with very different symptoms, um, just numbness, um, MS hug, tiredness, the the Mm -hmm. fatigue. So I wasn't aware for a very long time about the optic neuritis. And I didn't realize that that could be um, a symptom. So a lot of people that I've been talking to recently um, are sharing that with me. And I, I can't imagine the feeling that you had when, you know, your vision is, is being lost. Can you tell us a little bit about um, mentally what you were going through then?
0: Mentally, it was very confusing. I um, wasn't giving it too much thought uh, and analyzing it from a psychological point of view, you know, giving it too much uh, drama in a way. I was just like thinking, okay, there is a problem which needs to be fixed from a medical point of view. So either I got, let's say, uh, some allergy, uh, maybe I got uh, some. Uh, you know seasonal changes you know with uh, flowers and uh, different scents maybe it's dust maybe i really do spend too much time in front of the computer so i thought it's something that is mechanical technical that can be fixed it yes. it sounds so
1: like I, you're a very logical human being
0: <laughs> i wasn't diving into um, you know solving all the oh, what's going to be with my life no i was like okay i have a problem let me solve it
1: yes okay but when i re-
0: but so it wasn't uh, really uh, so um uh, psychologically hard in that moment uh, what psychologically was hard was extreme fatigue ah. because of course this was uh, bringing uh, uh, mood swings mood changes which were going more in a negative pattern and also this uh, reflected very well on my social life mm. i realized that i cannot contribute to my social life as i was before and i was only in my early 20s yeah. so the best time ever to party and to have great fun right i do know this yes <laughs> and uh, that was the psychologically hard part. But the blurry vision was okay. Let me just not uh, study for a while or I cannot draw this as fast as I could or I need uh, help. Uh, so th- that was the plan. Let's go to a doctor and see what. Uh, how can we fix that. But when okay. I saw that it's inflammation of a nerve, I realized that this is not a quick fix. Uh, and mm, then I started thinking about my other symptoms when I got that diagnosed, the first one. And I was like, hmm, this can't be... There there has to be something else. Why do you get nerve inflammation just like that? And um, being in a family of doctors, we summed 2 plus plus 2 and realized that we would have to dig deeper, that this probably is not the only thing. And let's just eliminate some brain issues. Let's do an MRI. (laughs) So elimination of brain issue didn't brought any elimination. I um, realized we have, um, uh, let's say, they found a lesion in the center of my corpus callosum in my brain and uh, that was it. Uh, I saw the look of my uh, parents and uh, my uh, relatives and uh, they, I just, you know, I'll never forget the moment uh, when one of my parents was uh, uh, sitting in the car and then my sister was later telling me, you know, there were so many tears and words, why me? Why her? Please let it be me, just not to her, you know? If this is happening to her, no. Let it be me. And I found that just uh, years ago when it was so heartbreaking, you know, uh, that they took it very badly. So, of course, what is it? Is it a cancer? Is it something else? So I was hospitalized for 10 days uh, and did my full body scan, head to toe. Um, basically... The word MS started popping more and more from one neurologist to another neurologist. And it was in 10 days, basically clear that it's uh, probably MS. So looking into other cases, I got diagnosed quite fast because I know many other people with with MS sometimes spend two or three years trying to get a diagnosis. And for me, it was like 10 days and that was it. It's MS. Wow.
1: So let me ask you, where were you when this happened?
0: I uh, currently, I'm speaking to you from the Netherlands, but okay. I used to live in different countries throughout time. I, uh, I lived uh, shortly in, uh, in Spain. I lived in Bulgaria shortly. And I actually, uh, I was uh, uh, back then in Belgrade in Serbia uh that is my hometown and their uh, approach to medical system is much more flexible than in maybe western countries in europe for example because uh, if you want you can you can have the access to any type of testing just because you want or you can afford it Uh, for example here in the netherlands medical system is very top-down protocol driven and you cannot uh, by yourself go and do some tests just because you suspect something so, maybe I also that was a lucky like coincidence that I could uh, go and just make sure, from my point of view, with my knowledge, let's do some tests, you know? And um, that helped a lot. So, it was the moment when I realized that, okay, my life will never be the same.
1: I'm really glad you were surrounded by your family then, too, um, because that support system is so incredibly important. Um, so let me go on and ask you. So where are you now then? You say you're in the Netherlands. I, I'm interested in what ever happened with your architecture degree, um, those kinds
0: of things. Oh, well, um currently I'm in the Netherlands, uh in the Netherlands. So we're living here for already, I don't know, six uh, six, seven years. And um In the meantime, I uh, finalized another master studies and also started a PhD and uh, worked uh, in different countries. And currently I'm a researcher. I am interested in uh, and specialized in uh, urban environment and climate change. So I'm totally green and sustainable, which goes together with my natural healing uh, lifestyle. Um, And also being a researcher professionally it couldn't be any way different because I am very um, curious and very interested and a researcher personally, I think, which also helped uh, to, to bring me where I am today in my healing path.
1: Do you say you have a plant-based diet
0: then? I, I there is no label. I mean, I ditch so many things. There's, I, I did, there is no such label. Basically what I eat, it's uh, fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, I wouldn't know what to tell you apart from that, you know, sometimes I indulge, I find some very good, uh, uh coconut yogurt so here in, here in Netherlands, the conscious about veganism and organic, it's like over the top. So I'm lucky to be here so you can find those types of products and, you know, but, uh, even then they started now fortifying them, adding things to them. So it's very hard to find a good plant-based product. So, I wouldn't give you a label for that. I wouldn't know what to say. So it's like raw with seeds and nuts. Um, That would be it. I've seen
1: some very delicious items on your Instagram. (laughs) So I know that it's not for lack of flavor in your diet. It's just being inventive about how that you ingest it I oh definitely
0: assume. definitely it's um in the beginning i didn't care that my food tasted, tasted horribly but it did and i was just okay. it doesn't matter you have to endure this you have to heal look what happened uh but with time i realized that i can become i can become more creative and uh, i started uh, finding ways how to actually uh make completely uh uh Vegan, sugar-free, yeast-free, gluten-free pizza, which tastes the better from I don't know Pizza Hut, for example. So things like that, you know. Yes, so, I, I want ma- that ma- recipe, I, and I, I think <laughs> all
1: of the listeners do too. <laughs> so I
0: managed. I managed now to do stuff that I make such good ice creams and things like that that I would never go back to big mac for example because that was one of my top two items in my (laughs) menu before there are things which i now when i pass by and i smell the restaurant uh, and the kitchen from a restaurant passing by the street i'm like ah no the oil hits me Uh. so this is these are the things that now i I can smell the sugar in a restaurant when you serve me something and they tell me there is no sugar in your in salsa i'm like sure there's not i I mean i can smell it now so 10 years 10 years of eating so clean really um makes your senses incredibly strong i enjoy now and i recognize many different variety of tastes before for me everything was planted doesn't it so that's about food and then drinks it's a completely different story i stopped with alcohol and with coffee altogether because coffee for me you know coffee is the uh, one of the like not not, this is not a certain data, but uh, let's if we talk about a commodity that is traded the most, coffee. And of course, to, for the people to create profit, they have to create some pesticides to make it grow more and to uh, make it uh, uh, rip faster. So you can uh, definitely be sure that it's almost impossible to find nowadays uh, coffee, which is not GMO or full of pesticides and other chemicals. So I stopped coffee, not only because it messes up with nerves, it does uh, create um, a more nervous response to the body. Uh, so it doesn't really, it's not really compatible with uh, MS at all, mm-hmm. but also because of the pesticide load. load. And uh, the same goes uh, to... Um, uh, the story about alcohol, I realized first that it didn't suit me. So I was like, okay, I me just do a glass of red wine. How the time was passing, I couldn't even endure that. So I stopped it altogether. And now I'm drinking three liters minimum of pure water per day. I have my filters, I have a machine which purifies, it. And uh, that's a really good investment. So uh, I only squeeze juices and no sodas. This is This is uh, all long history for me. So this is about uh, diet, and then lastly about diet is fasting. I actually don't eat.
1: (laughs) You don't, or you do? You don't eat at all.
0: I have periods when I don't eat, and I um, don't eat a lot. I have maximum two meals per day, and maybe a small snack. I stopped eating at five o'clock in the afternoon, and then I eat tomorrow morning and. If I go out or if I meet with friends and then I do eat something in the evening, it is nowadays for me such a burden. I cannot sleep. It really messes me up completely. So I feel best when I go to my bed with empty stomach and when I start my day with water and then I eat and uh, I stop eating. uh, Yeah, five, six o'clock maximum.
1: So you don't look emaciated <laughs> by any means. I mean, no, I'm not, you look I'm not, healthy.
0: I'm not so hungry. if that's what you mean. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, angry. when you
1: get hungry, you eat and you eat in these parameters and that's what works for you. Am I right to say that?
0: Uh, definitely. I have to say that I was fighting my cravings at least six, seven years. I was fighting cravings like crazy. I was detoxing from sugar several years from carbs uh, I mean, bad carbs, not vegetable carbs, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, several years, it was horrible. I had, uh, you know, when you think about, uh, there is this another research which tells you that uh, uh, it's a fact that part of the brain which reacts to sugar or this bad carb, let's say pastry, is the same part of the brain which reacts when you take some drugs like cocaine. So basically creates the same kind of addiction, so we are basically all addicted to sugar and to sugars. So um, right here, right here. Uh, so carpet, yeah, I'm one of here. those
1: people. Yes, for sure. So,
0: I, so this is also, this is a revelation. I was like, basically, okay, I don't want to be that person anymore. And this is definitely bad for me. So um, the food industry is not stupid in a way. You no, know, they know what to put in their food. So people will come back and buy it again. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a completely different story, but it also helped me uh, make this change consciously, mindfully, very fast. So that's that's the food part. I will go to body now. Okay.
1: I'm excited. Right. I've learned so much from just the last 10 minutes. So yay. Let's hear them. Okay. The, yes.
0: The body part uh, started first with uh, learning how to sleep again. Um, there is this story about us as adults forgetting how to sleep, which is Um, uh, something that hit me like a truck I realized that I did forget how to sleep because there are things that you need to do before you go to sleep or to be able to go into a deep sleep and to actually wake up rested and um, there are techniques that you can do to uh, go back to the period when you were a child when you slept actually normally so so going back to normal sleep was the first thing I did uh, from the body point of view and then um What is normal Um, sleep? What does that entail for you? So normal, um, I went to a sleep clinic and I asked here when I was in Netherlands, somebody to look uh, at my brain waves and to explain to me how to sleep because I read a lot about this and I wanted somebody to confirm that I am a terrible sleeper. And they confirmed. So basically you sleep with hundreds of electrodes on your body And they monitor you for uh, sometimes 48 hours. You sleep either in their hospital or uh, or you sleep at home. And then you would give them the equipment. They read your brain uh, waves. And then they see how many times did you wake up? Do you snore? Do you have apnea? Do you dream uh, how many times or ever if you went to a deep sleep? Um, uh, When did you wake up? How long did it take uh, to sleep? Do you uh, have... uh, mm, how do you call this when you move a lot around the bed when you sleep, you know, do you have restless leg syndrome? That's how it's called. Yes. And they can check all of these things. So my results came, you know, like you don't sleep at all. You cannot even go to a deep uh, uh, sleep and that's why you're not rested. And then uh, it's uh, it's, a recommendation is that uh, from doctors now, officially they told me that I have to actually fall asleep before 10 o'clock because the sleep that uh, is the most gives the, the ref- this refreshed feeling in the morning happens between 10 and 30 and one o'clock in the, in the night. So this is when you should sleep, actually. And I go to sleep at 12.30. So I should go to sleep earlier and wake up earlier in order to catch that moment when body physiologically wants to rest. Our genes made, are made in such a way that our body physiologically needs to rest in those moments. And also depends on the environment you have to create in such a way that, it's, uh, that you don't expose yourself to blue light before sleeping, that you do some uh, light exercises or re- relaxation and not to eat before sleep because your body then doesn't sleep, it digests. So you cannot rest if you're whole night digesting the donuts or our pizza or, or pastas or whatever, or alcohol. So you have to leave your stomach flat and empty and allow your body to do other things because during sleep, you actually heal. You don't heal now when we talk or when we eat, you heal while you're sleeping. So if you're not sleeping, then you will not heal. And if you're not sleeping properly, when you shoot, no point. And what what are you doing? So the first thing was to get back to right sleeping.
1: So it's so interesting because I call sleep recovery, right? That's your time to recover from your day. But I, I don't know. I've never thought of a lot of those things that you mentioned, um, especially about the time frame in which you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that you're supposed to have a certain amount of hours in your sleep schedule. Okay. Um, but not necessarily when you sleep. So I'm um, super curious. Do you have any opinions about napping?
0: Oh, yes. Um, basically, uh, I was very happy when I went to that sleep clinic uh, because they asked me, okay, do you nap? Because, you know, often people who uh, report being um, fatigued when they may, upon waking up, uh, those are the ones who sleep during the day, you know? And I was like, okay, is that a bad thing? And uh, apparently it is a bad thing. So um, that's one of the theories. So if you want to believe it, believe it. I mean, I'm not taking any of these theories like um, so uh, bluntly. I try them all. And I tried to nap, and it... Uh, it didn't work. It didn't work for me. I was really like hit by a train. So, um, I tried it for a few months and I was like, okay, it must be something that is going to bring my fatigue to a better state. But, uh, uh, um, napping throughout the day is not one. What helps the best for me is if I go to bed around 11, I cheat a bit and I wake up around, I don't know, six, that's best for me. Um, that's but okay. of course I, uh, everybody has their own bio in their clocks and you have to find what's good for you. But I think for everybody, it's better if they go to bed a bit earlier.
1: I see, okay, thank you for sharing that with us. What else, what else do you have to share? Uh,
0: Body, Um, okay, Uh, I already talked about non-toxic products and uh, healthy hygiene. And you know, when I said I changed everything, I mean, really everything. I even changed the way I brush my teeth. You know, I learned about scrapping the tongue and taking the toxin out in the morning from your tongue. Um, Then I incorporated, uh, heavy metal uh, detox regimens in my life, in uh, where I use uh, zeolite, uh, which you can that's uh, a powder, and uh, uh, you can find it even in a liquid form. It's like a component that helps that binds heavy metals and then flushes them out through the lymphatic system, and then you have to. A zeolite, I see that you're writing. I am writing this down. So basically, this is something that can uh, help uh, detox. And with MS, it's very interesting because uh, we are loaded with uh, heavy metals. And this is, um, I would say, as a rule. There is even a group of uh, scientists who are claiming that MS starts with uh, heavy metal poisoning. Um, and having this knowledge, you know, even if it's still not... Uh, proved in a way, uh, there's so many practices that are making me angry, you know, because they're giving MS patients contrast when they're doing MRI, which is, uh, um, uh, loaded with heavy metals. So gadolinium, what, what is called, uh, the contrast, um, helps your lesions light up, glow in dark, right? So what, I mean, what glows in dark metal, right? So, um, it takes years, sometimes lifetime, for one contrast dose to come out from a body, and then you go and you get monitored every few months, six months, you depending where you live. And you know, I I fight with doctors here. I fill in forms this long, in which I state why I do not want contrast. They don't understand why you don't want it. I was like, okay, I'm on a very heavy heavy metal protocol. Hey, I do not want contrast because you are counteracting my healing. And uh, you are, if you are educated radiologist, which you are, you will be able to compare the one from last time and one from this time. But there is a protocol, you know, for them. If it's if it uh, if it's lit, <laughs> it lights up. Then uh, you know, yeah, it's active. You can see if there is a change from last time to this time, which means it's something progressed. So please don't now give me uh, heavy metal, just so you put a, you know, a tick there on your box that you are sure in your diagnosis. So uh, all this reading about uh, heavy metal exposure also made me aware that I shouldn't agree uh, on accepting whatever I want. So I incorporated it in my daily life because you have so, water is full of heavy metal. Uh, uh, everything that you bring in your house, it's full of heavy metal. So you have to constantly make sure that your uh, uh, toxin load is reduced, so that's a big, uh, big chunk of work for me. And I think that since I reduced it, because you can measure it through hair, through urine, through blood, you can do different things. How t- you can measure it, okay? And you can see how the time um, it um, it reduces, and then you see how you feel better and better, how actually less and less you have it. And then, of course, you have to drink a lot of water to be able to get these things out, get it out, right? Yeah. So that's about uh, body parts as well. I take cold showers. Um, cold shower. I live in a country where, again, uh, a famous Iceman, Wim Hof, lives. Um, that's a guy who um, I'm so grateful for him. He's um, uh, an amazing inspiration. Uh, he created a, um, a cold shower movement in a way. He made it mainstream. And I think it's very important because when I started um, studying about uh, cold exposure, I knew about wet cold blankets and things like that, but then this person, he um, nailed it really. It's something to look uh, into and I don't uh, shower anymore with hot water. If I do, then I uh, finish it with very cold and I uh, and I don't skip this routine anymore because this elevates your uh, metabolism. And autoimmunity is actually low metabolic problems. So your your metabolism is low, you, you have hypometabolism. So uh, that's why elevating metabolism, metabolic process in your body with cold shower, for example, as one practice, it's very important for any chronic issue, I would say.
1: Doesn't it also reduce the inflammation? Exactly. So, um, I've been doing it since we spoke last and, um, I love it. It also wakes
0: me up a bit too, yes, right? Exactly.
1: So, um, I just feel like it's a great way to start my day. So I thank you for that tip for sure.
0: <laughs> Definitely. It also makes your skin look tighter and shinier and your hair is better. So it's not only, you know, it's also <laughs> something outside to, to look forward to. <laughs> I, al- I also
1: need those things. So <laughs> yeah,
0: everybody win. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the biggest thing that I of course would have said first was exercising. So there is no day when I don't exercise uh, anymore. I was so lazy when I was in my 20s and uh, I just uh, had good genes and good metabolism and I always looked fit and whatever I ate I would never gain uh, uh, weight and I was so grateful for that but uh, it didn't help me create any good habits in that regard. So exercising has to be uh, part of daily life and it um, has to combine different things. It has to have strength, uh, endurance, balance, stretching elements, all of that together. And then y- you see what suits you because I know many MSers have problem with heat and if they uh, elevate their, their body temperature, they get some symptoms back, you know. Uh, for me, I don't mind heat. I actually have problem with the cold. So um, I can exercise whatever I want in a way. But what suits me best is yoga, body balance, uh, um, something that is easy, um, but uh, challenging. It has to be challenging. Otherwise, it gets boring and I change all the time. And I started this actually by working with professionals with finding a very good physiotherapist who um, showed me what is good for MS, what I need to pay attention to. Um, because there's so many things that with time happen that we're not aware of. For example, with MS, if you struggle with balance, um, uh, foot will feet will start compensating and you will either start um, walking a bit on the outside of your soles. And you will not even notice it. And then you can see it if you reverse your old shoes and you can see if they're eaten a bit more on the outside. But I, totally,
1: I totally do that.
0: And that, that means is that your body is compensating the, the problem with balance and trying to actually be on the outside when you walk, right? So then you always have to think that I need to walk inwards a bit and put my, my feet back and you want to then realize that when you walk like that, uh, mindfully, that you get muscle inflammation because those muscles don't work anymore and then they teach you you know things that you can incorporate in your daily life of course together with exercises and from there you develop yourself honestly you just need a good base so that's about exercises um supplements supplements uh supplements are big part of my regimen i uh have A nutritionist who is also working together with uh, somebody who is looking into my supplements and i'm measuring my body levels all the time and making sure that i'm not uh, lacking something Uh, and on top of that i found a team of doctors who are helping me with high doses of vitamin d Uh, this is a coimbra protocol from uh, Brazil, and there i um, have also contact with people who are uh Monitoring my uh, vitamin D journey because this is a completely mm, uh, uh, how to say uh, this is a big protocol that showed very good results, especially in MS. Mm. So I would uh, I, I was in disbelief when I found it, but then I found uh, uh, several people who. Uh, share their success stories and even one um, lady who is uh, called Anna Claudia she wrote a book about it like uh, healing MSB type vitamin d and uh, she inspired me to go to to deep uh, dive into a supplement phase so that's also one part of for the body that I want to emphasize and uh, the last one it's therapies that I found useful one is infrared I do infrared every day. I bought a lamp, and it's very important what lamp you buy. It's about the wavelengths. Not all wavelengths of infrared light are healing. Some are. Some are actually not good for you. So you have to investigate what type of lamp and what waves you should buy, uh, and how to use it. And then I also have a team of doctors which are supporting me in um, um, some traditional. Um, Therapies with some traditional approaches from Eastern medicine, like uh, uh, traditional Chinese or traditional Japanese medicine, uh, homeopathy, bioresonance, acupuncture. Um, I dived also deep into quantum medicine and healing with frequencies. And then I would um, uh, also have some Ayurvedic massages and treatments. And every month I alter from one to another, just uh, get getting my body boost from this and boost from that. And all that together as a cocktail makes me feel like on um, uh, seven heaven.
1: When I step out of the massage parlor, I feel like a different person. Yeah. It, it doesn't last um, a tremendously long time, but my body just feels like it's been reset Um, so I, I make sure that I do that monthly, at least monthly, um, just to get that. I tried the acupuncture. It did not work for me, although I know it works for many MSers, um, and just gives you a little boost, um, feeling the right way, the way that you, you know, are used to feeling prior. Um, but, uh. Yeah. That massage is like the jam for me. So yeah. tell us, tell us a little bit about, um, because you, you're very structured, you're very regimented. Um, how do you keep your mind? Right.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's, um, that is the last part of my tip, um, tip list maybe because I'm so pragmatic and uh, focused. Um, that's why it's all of these things that I numbered, Uh, to me, they came so easy because I just gathered so um, many information. I created uh, a repository of uh, data that is beyond comprehensive. And uh, then I started incorporating one by one. And each and every that I tried, some worked better than others, but they all brought some benefit. But uh, then I realized that even though I was feeling physically good, I would sometimes... Realize that I am getting a bit anxious, or that my mood is often down, or that I just cannot recognize myself. As you just said earlier, to go back to my old self, just to remember who 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 am I? What am I doing? You know, I was so caught up in all this healing that um, uh, mental part uh, remained a bit untreated in a way. And I picked it up last, and I shouldn't have. I should have uh, do it either partly or the first thing. So the mind part was uh, very interesting for me. I actually just went to my neurologist and said, I need to talk to somebody because need to help me accept this diagnosis. And they're like, accept? It's like 10 years. What do you need to accept? I was like, I just need to accept it. So I was like, what do you mean? I was, I was like, I need to talk with somebody about it to tell me if I'm actually thinking about it in the right direction. You know, if I'm crazy or I'm not crazy, if I'm taking this too lightly or, in, or, or is this a game? Because you see, you don't you, you are offering medication. I don't want medication. There's something must be wrong with me, right? <laughs> so I made a joke out of it, but they really picked it up. And they're like, okay, we have medical psychologists here in the hospital. They actually do this stuff. I was like, "Oh, wow, great! This exists." And there I was, and the discussion went into complete. It's like a cognitive therapy. You talk about your MS, or how do you how do you feel about it? But literally, after one session, it didn't go in that direction anymore. Uh, I we started talking about my some other things, and I and traumas started popping out, and I realized that how the time was passing. That we are talking about my traumas, not about MS, and then I. up for a second like what, what are we doing here I want to go back MS is my problem I don't want to talk about when my parent died or I or, or, you know the war or I you know like uh, um, communication with these people or some bad relationships or uh, you know my personality issues I want to talk about that I was like yeah but you have problem with MS because you have you didn't solve these other issues and I was like uh-huh and, and then he said maybe you even got MS because you didn't solve these other issues and I was like uh-huh Right. And I was like, okay, so that was like, geez, I have to, I have to then um, deal with myself, actually. I realized I have to deal with myself and it was a huge resistance in the beginning because of course I thought I'm the best I know the best look what I've managed with any medication. I don't need, I don't need to change. It's so such a, such a childish thing. I didn't want to change. I didn't, it was, it was a blunt resistance. I mean, somebody tells you, you need to change. I mean, will you do it? Why would you do it? And only if you realize yourself that something with you is not as good as you want to admit it is. So you don't want to admit it. So I started admitting things and I started making lists and I was like, okay, even what, you know, what are those things that you know that are not, not good for you, but you just, you just pretend like they are great and you are hiding them so good from the world and yourself. And whoa, what popped out? It was a huge list. Um, And I realized that I do need some work on me, might some me time. Uh, And I start, okay, I I had the same approach like to the body and environment. Okay, then, okay, what can be done? Bam, bam, bam. Find the practices, find the therapies, find the approaches, techniques. Because, and you know, you you need to give me a homework and I'm gonna do it.
1: Definitely, how I see that you operate yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I was like, I, I need some like guidelines. I believe I'm going I'm to I'm do it that way. Just, I just need some guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> but there were no guidelines, and that was the problem. And then I had to do everything myself. And I started with breathing exercises, with deep stomach breathing, trying to slow down, trying to resonate more with myself, to feel my body better, to um, feel environment better just to slow down. So mindfulness and slowing down was the first thing coming with breathing and listening to my body, finally, first time in my life. Of course, exercising help, yoga help, but then this meditation part, which I started doing with discovering all these amazing applications everywhere now, uh, there are so many bad ones, but you pick cherry pick. You know, you find something that suits you if you search long enough. And then I realized that there is something that causes like affirmation positive affirmation hmm, what's this so i spent time searching into this and started incorporating that in my life speak to yourself in the mirror look at yourself in the eye and say something nice for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> that's not easy honestly no 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 it's like theory eyes and you don't you don't believe it you think like oh yeah sure sure you don't believe yourself but with time if you're persistent i'm now telling you honestly it works you just have to persist Uh, regardless of disbelief and regardless of how silly or stupid you sound to yourself, just you have to persist because this uh, the problem with the mind is a tricky thing. It's a pattern. So your brain learns patterns. And if you create a new path and you start insisting on it uh, um, constantly and enough times, then your brain is going to be like, okay, let's now use this path because it now exists. But I'm used to this one and this one is going to now start fading and the new one is going to be used more and more and it's really like actually a mechanical thing. So affirmations, gratitude journal uh, in the end of the day, in the end of the week, I started sitting and uh, writing about the things that happened but in a positive way and trying to find all the nice things that happened because I realized that I was uh, having a difficult time recognizing what's nice around me anymore, you know, what's nice in my life. Because, you know, you make so much effort and yet you're down. You should feel amazing. That was really some some time ago. Um, I didn't realize why. So now I do. And uh, it was a good thing because I actually was learning a new language. And uh, I uh, realized that I speak so many languages, by the way. And. Uh, this Dutch didn't work for me. I don't know. I didn't have German uh, background and it's really so difficult. It was so difficult for me. And I wanted then to take another approach. And every evening, I would make a small uh, summary of my day, but in Dutch, but only positive things, you know, to write in Dutch. So this helped me learn the language. And actually uh, then I realized that I, you know, have a positive connotation to the language. Plus I talk about what happened nice. So I combine things so you can do that.
1: Right. It was like combining the, two things like a learning and about something extrinsic and reflecting on an intrinsic thing um, at the same time um, makes me excited because I am somebody who um, my core values are growth and humor, right? I've shared this with you. And so combining those um, pieces together makes it more valuable for me um, because when you're talking about the the affirmations in the mirror and things. I started imagining myself doing that and things started coming to mind that are very emotional triggers for me. So I can imagine, cause I'm going to start doing this when I do that. It's not going to be something that I'm going to be smiling at myself in the mirror at at first. It's going to be some tears and some some hard realizations. Um, so doing that difficult thing, we don't want to often put ourselves in a position that we do difficult things. Um, and so I know I have a really hard time with that taking time for me to work through my stuff. I'd rather much talk to a friend and help them through their things. And so, um, man, that's a, that's a big one for me that I, I, I'm vowing I'm going to work on that starting today. Thank you.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so happy that uh, you recognize that something um, like this can be beneficial for you because I started being vocal about my journey just a few months ago, very recently, because I wasn't feeling confident. I didn't even think about speaking up. You know, not many people in my life even know that I am sick. This is, I think, the first moment that maybe if somebody ever sees me, they will be like, oh, my God, this, this is her. Wow. They, they, they would wouldn't even suspect that something is wrong with me because uh, wrong, you know wrong, mm-hmm. um, because um, I it was my journey, my fight, my battle, and I, I by by nature I'm not somebody who imposes uh, myself or in a way um, seeks. I'm very. Uh, it's very hard for me to seek help as well, and you also have to work on that by the way because many people with with MS actually are like that. They are they are very themselves. So, if you say that this inspired you, you you brought me joy.
1: Oh, this whole conversation, I am going to listen to over and over again um, because there's just so many things that you have mentioned that resonated with me, um, and so I'm glad that this is a mutually beneficial situation. I'm so then. glad. Wonderful.
0: Uh, Yeah, so if you are going to do affirmations, there are so many other things that you can do because, uh, and others, because um, uh, beside this affirmation and journaling and beside breathing techniques, uh, definitely what uh, I did and did help me uh, quite a lot was cognitive therapy, just simple cognitive therapy with somebody that you, MS doesn't have to be the topic. The the topic is actually um, that background noise that you have the the, the background stress uh, that you never resolve and usually it evolves around either forgiving not being able to forgive either somebody else or yourself or something that happened uh, and lack of self-love so those are usually that's what I learned that this these are the two things that we have to work on being able to forgive move on, Um, if you can't do anything about it then you have to let it go and secondly to learn finally how to love yourself because throughout time that is what happened we forgot how to love ourselves maybe we never did because no one taught us but now we are grown up uh, individuals and we have the responsibility to do that for ourselves and for our children or for our parents or for our family the people that we come uh, interact with because Otherwise, uh, there is no joy and your life doesn't matter, really. If you cannot uh, love yourself, then what's the point? So that is something that counseling really taught me. Uh, It's completely apart from MS. And um, on the fun side, I was reading a lot, doing puzzles. I'm a puzzle maniac. And puzzles also create neuroplasticity. So they boost it. So you have to do puzzles. Yes. So play games. Uh, I'm not a bridge old lady kind of type, I think. But I think I'm going to be that one with uh, tons of dogs and puzzles one day. Uh, So, oh, yeah. Exposing to the sun, being in nature, it's also something that helps uh, mind. Social activities. Don't be. I realized that there were so many moments in which I was um, withdrawing. um, just uh, diving in books and diving in my new protocols and all these uh, schemes, what I'm gonna do next and how I'm gonna find uh, these people or how I'm gonna incorporate this practice. Uh, and then months will, would pass, uh, my social life would suffer. So I think social life is very important for, uh, for, for the mind health. Um, and uh, being somebody who works full-time, uh, luckily, I realized that there is something that is called occupational therapy and I really explored it to the maximum. This is the person who helped me, the occupational therapist, helped me find the balance between work and life. And taught me how to recognize possibility for burnout, uh, how to deal with stress at work, but then also in my uh, a private life, and I learned so many from these different people that I created uh, a diapason of uh, tools to pick upon the situation when I needed. So now I find myself, um, how to say, um, reflecting, uh, self reflecting differently, also talking with other people completely differently, with a lot of understanding, with a lot of calmness thinking before talking, which was never the case before. I'm much more uh, self-aware and aware of other people. I became uh, not more empathic. I think I was always very empathic, which uh, was also why I was withdrawing. I couldn't deal with other people's pain. But now I uh, was more uh, sure of myself. So I could approach and offer something before I just didn't know what to do. So I became definitely I, I uh, gained this uh, emotional and social intelligence, which I definitely didn't have before. So that is something that also brought my mind to flourish. So this is what I would say about these three things, three things that uh, needs to be done, like um, diet, body, mind, and okay, fourth environment uh, that I found, uh, uh, I know, that I found very important I cannot pick one thing I really can't tell you it's sugar and it's journaling and it's cold shower. I can't say that. I have to tell you that all of the all of the things are equally important. Maybe a sequence, something should have come before, uh, but the moment when I realized the connection between the mind and the body, and the uh, brain and gut, which is our second brain, where immune system happens, this is when Every change I made became so easy. It didn't, it, it wasn't, there was no uh, joking around anymore, no excuses, and everything was definitely easy. I just needed this understanding and uh, reading reading and meeting people who are in these topics uh, brought me this awareness.
1: Wow. I know you very little. We've spoken a couple of times. <laughs> We've seen each other's social media, but... This, I feel like this was a meant-to-be conversation. Oh my god! And I, I know that we will um, maintain our connection because I, I'm just learning so much, and I know that the listeners out there are thinking the same thing. I want to ask you a couple superficial, fun questions because yeah, um, you know this is funnel. heavy, heavy talk, right? So, yeah. um, let's see. What makes you laugh, Eve?
0: Oh, my God, Um, my dog, I have a super uh, uh, hyperactive dog. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, it is inspiring how this being never uh, uh, runs, uh, it never runs tired of being exciting to see me, exciting to do things, exciting to be, to do anything. I mean, such a positive attitude. I mean, so, so, so good to have a dog, I have to say. I mean, this dog is my, um, you know, sweetheart. So dog is definitely first uh, thing because she's always around me and you know that I cannot miss her. Uh, I have to say that uh, I have a partner who uh, has a brilliant sense of humor. And this is something that I love the most uh, in him. And uh, this is something that I couldn't live without. So his sense of humor is like, This intelligence, it blows me uh, away from all this planet Earth and this universe when when he says it's enough for him. Sometimes I need to see him, know what he thinks because we're already, you know, for a very long time together. uh, We read each other and uh, he definitely makes me laugh. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Friends TV show, and I was crying now for the reunion. (laughs) (laughs) So Friends TV show. I like... Anything that Tim Barton creates. I am a fan of uh, uh, Beetlejuice from 1988, for example. When I, when I was in New York, I went to a show uh, from Beetlejuice that was a, a remake. And it was, I think, one of the best moments of my life. Uh, so his humor, it's like very dark, but very juicy. So I love it. And even today, I didn't know we we're going to have a video. I thought it going to be audio. So even I have a small pin from Beetlejuice. I it know is Beetlejuice. I so, love that. So uh, really, I'm not doing this for the show. <laughs> it's <a real>
1: deal. <laughs> that is wonderful. I, yeah, I can totally relate to, yeah. to what you're saying about that. It yeah, totally yeah, so. brings me joy. I can watch that movie over and over again. Yeah,
0: definitely. And the last thing, it would be improv classes because I do improv. And uh, whenever I go to improv, I think of Michael Scott from The, from the Office, Yes. And, and I start laughing. So I don't know if I'm doing improv because of Michael Scott, or if I'm doing improv just because I like it. But definitely uh, something that brings uh, life to your bones, it's going to improv and you don't have to be a comedian or an actor to, to be successful. You just have to show up. It's really cool. Wow,
1: wow. I would love to see you doing that sometime. That's pretty neat. That is really cool. Do you do it yeah. like um, as a class or do you actually perform in front of an audience?
0: Uh, both. So we have classes where you just like uh, exercise uh, whatever random uh, acts, small or longer ones. Or sometimes we do organize a small audience for, you know, uh, sometimes it's very small, sometimes it's like a small theater. Uh, it's very scary, but honestly, it goes so fast and it's so quick. Uh, you have no idea what happened, and yet you had so much fun because I don't know if you laughed more the audience. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Mistakes are al- are allowed. Sorry, and it's really uh, yeah, audience and class both.
1: That is so great because talking to you, I'm like this woman is so driven, intellectual, really focused. I'm so glad you have this outlet. Um, to express yourself in such a way that brings yeah. such joy to you—that is it's only so recently.
0: Cool. It's only recently that I found it. Uh, it's uh, something really that helps. Um, one
1: more question. Well, I—if you um, find a song that inspires you or a movie that you like, which one is is the more prevalent thing to you?
0: Uh Currently, I'm obsessing with um, uh, a song from the it's from the Netflix um, uh, series called uh, The New Pope. It's called Stemaphore. And uh, I can't stop listening to it. I'm even putting it in my posts online because uh, I, I just can't. And it's usually something that happens to me. Either I obsess over a song or an art, artist for a prolonged period of time and I insist on it 24-7. Um, and it's usually something very mainst- not, that is not mainstream. So something that is not hip or trendy. Um, uh, there is uh, a milky chance Anything from Milky Chance is something that I would really uh, uh, enjoy. Um, and I like indie as well. Anything that is that has these indie sounds. Um, oh, my God. I'm such a teenager. I fell in love with Billie Eilish.
1: Oh, did you? <laughs> That's yeah, so great. I know. You're, I'm, it's I'm like, one of those. I did it.
0: Yeah, so the last uh, uh, song from Billie Eilish that uh, she just performed by Ritz and it was Corona Time uh, on the top of the hill. uh, It it was on her channel. I can't can't, uh, stop about that. So yeah, I'm still a teenager in a way, but Billie Eilish is something that uh, I can resonate with, but not in a negative way. She's a bit like uh, uh, gloomy at times, but I always find the... I find it cheerful. I don't know how. I mean, it must be something odd there. Her
1: voice is spectacular. So think. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So um tell us Eve where we can find you if people want to reach out or um see what's going on with you.
0: Uh I c- currently I could be found only on Instagram. Okay. Um I have this platform where I share these uh, tips that I talked about. Uh, it's called uh, MS Free Live, um, and that's the only place. I just recently started discovering some different platforms for uh, uh, talking. Um, I don't know how how is it called. Let me let me check here. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know to tell you. But uh, there are so many different. You see, there are so many different uh, outlets out there which I'm not familiar with that I'm trying to now uh, see if I can use. But I think for now, I'm going to just stay on Instagram because I like photos, taking photos. And uh, uh, also being an architect, uh, I have this design part uh, in me. So photography, I really enjoy video editing. And I found that uh, Instagram is the best for that.
1: So that's so, MS Free Life. Is there an MS underscore Free or anything? Life. I think not. Okay, wonderful. I think, so. I think not. Okay, MS Free Life, if you want to reach out to Eve um, and see what she's been up to. I can't thank you enough for being here with us today on Thriving Over Surviving. You are the true definition of a big time thriver to me. Um, So thank you.
0: It was such a pleasure talking to you and thank you for this opportunity um, and for a very nice surprise.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Find us on Instagram at Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Our Facebook group has the same name. Although I am a doctor, my expertise is in educational leadership and not in medicine. The information provided on this show is for community building purposes and not meant to provide medical advice. Should you have medical questions that you need answered, please consult your medical professional. We'll see you next time as we chat it up on another episode of Thriving Over Surviving Podcast.